Listener Production. Hello, and you are very welcome to another episode of Huh? Science Explained, a weekly podcast brought to you by Listener and Cosmos. Today, you've got me, Amalia Hart, and we are focusing on the James Webb Space Telescope. What is it and what's it looking for? So over the last few months, I'm sure you've at least encountered the words James Webb and Space Telescope at some point, probably in combination. The telescope launched with great fanfare on December the 25th last year. And since then, it's gone through a series of seemingly small but actually epic milestones, like unfurling its mirrors. But what makes it so cool? And how far is it actually going to see? And what's the deal with infrared? The James Webb Space Telescope is a telescope primarily designed to conduct infrared astronomy. Astronomy is the study of the cosmos. Infrared, on the other hand, is a spectrum of light. But let's unpack that quickly. Infrared waves are part of the electromagnetic spectrum. This spectrum is the range of wavelengths, otherwise known as frequencies, over which electromagnetic radiation extends. Electromagnetic radiation is defined as energy or particles from a source that travel through space or other mediums, and it includes lots of things we're familiar with. Radio waves, infrared light, visible light, ultraviolet light, X-rays, and gamma rays. If this feels a little bit like a series of babushka dolls of explanations, I hear you, we'll, we'll get there soon. The wavelengths of each type of radiation get shorter as you go along the list. If you imagine it as a line, it gets squigglier towards the gamma ray side. So infrared light has a slightly longer wavelength than visible light. Its wavelength is less squiggly. But what's the significance of infrared light? Infrared light was first discovered 200 years ago by German-born British astronomer William Herschel, who noticed that sunlight conveyed heat when he looked at the sun through a telescope, which is not something I'd recommend doing. He also noticed that different filters created different heat levels. To figure out what was going on, he set up an experiment. When sunlight passed through a slit and then through a prism, which he plucked from a chandelier apparently, it formed a colour spectrum on his table. Then he arranged three thermometers so that the central one could be placed at different points in the spectrum while the two either side acted as controls in the experiment. What he found was that there was a temperature rise that was lower at the violet end of the spectrum but increased towards the red light end. Now, as the sun moved across the sky, the spectrum moved across the table. When the central thermometer was just beyond the red end of the spectrum, Herschel realised that the temperature was registering as even higher than before. It was puzzling, to say the least. That's how he concluded that there were invisible rays coming from the sun and refracted by the prism beyond the red end of the spectrum. We can feel infrared in the form of heat, and it's used in thermal imaging cameras and remote controls. But why do we want to look at the sky in infrared? Well, cosmic objects like stars and galaxies release energy across the electromagnetic spectrum, so it helps if we can see in all these different states. That's why we also have radio telescopes. But importantly, about one half of the starlight produced and emitted throughout the history of the universe has been infrared, according to the European Space Agency. So there's a lot of activity going on in that spectrum. Also, space might be vast tracts of emptiness, but lots of the cool stuff actually has dust around it. So infrared telescopes can see things that optical telescopes, which take invisible light, cannot. Additionally, cold objects can be picked up in infrared which don't shine in visible wavelengths. 
These can include interstellar gas, planets, and dust disks around stars. But there's a problem. Earth's atmosphere blocks most infrared wavelengths, and the atmosphere also produces its own infrared radiation, so it's quite difficult for an Earth-bound telescope to see distant objects in infrared. Hence the launch. James Webb reached its destination in January, more than a million kilometres from Earth. From there, it can peer back to the farthest reaches of the universe, and back in time. Now for the big reveal. One of the reasons the James Webb is so exciting is because it can see in infrared light. But it's not just because it's another spectrum of radiation in the universe. Seeing in infrared can actually help us see the past. Infrared light, when it reaches us, can be very old because of a phenomenon called redshift. When a light source is moving away from the viewer, that wavy line gets stretched and less high at the peaks and troughs, meaning its wavelength also gets stretched growing redder and redder until it shifts into the infrared spectrum. This is similar to what happens with sound. Think about when a police siren whizzes past, the pitch decreases as it drives away. Because space is constantly expanding, the most distant things in the universe are moving away from us. And as the light from those distant things travels, it's being stretched out. So the light that reaches us from the most distant parts of space is also some of the oldest light we'll see. What that means is that we can peer at some of the earliest phases of the universe and learn more about its origins. In theory, we'll be able to watch the first stars and galaxies form. So the James Webb is sort of like the next generation after the long reign of the Hubble telescope. Hubble revolutionized our understanding of space. It helped us figure out how old the universe is. It helped us learn about the existence of dark matter and dark energy. And it helped us discover thousands of exoplanets. Now, James Webb will help us probe these amazing mysteries even further. The telescope is now in orbit, and it's unfurled its components. Those include its sunshield and its mirrors. It needs the sunshield to protect it from the sun because it needs to cool way down. That's because one of its instruments, the mid-infrared instrument, or MIRI, needs to be at 7 kelvins, that's minus 266 degrees Celsius, before it can function. And we need MIRI because mid-infrared light is important for seeing young stars. Mid-infrared light can pass through clouds that are 20 times thicker than visible light can pass through. And baby stars are generally shrouded by thick clouds of matter, known to the rest of us as dust. The other thing that MIRI is really good for is seeing extremely distant galaxies which have shifted into mid-infrared light over time. After the cooling, the astronomy begins. James Webb has a six and a half meter long primary mirror made up of 18 hexagonal segments, which captures the very faint light and infrared light from distant galaxies. Then to the instruments. In addition to MIRI, there's the Near Infrared Camera, or NIRCAM. Its wavelength spans from red light to near infrared, so NIRCAM can observe objects that shine across that spectrum like exoplanets. It can also detect slight irregularities in the telescope's primary mirror. Next, there's the near-infrared spectrograph, or near-spec. Spectroscopy is a study of the properties of light across different spectra of electromagnetic radiation. So near-spec can be used to study the detailed structure of certain objects, and it can provide low, medium, and high-resolution observations of objects in the near-infrared spectrum. Finally, there's the near-infrared imager and slitless spectrograph, NIRIS. 
NERIS can also provide near-infrared images and spectroscopy, but it's also the only instrument on board that can capture bright objects at a high resolution and get those cool-looking images we've been amazed by from Hubble. The telescope also has a camera system designed to make sure it's stable and pointing in exactly the right direction. It does this by detecting and identifying guide stars and ensuring that the telescope is locked onto those stars for the entire period of observation, a bit like an ancient mariner navigating the ocean by the light and direction of the stars. So, watch this space. In the coming years, we're likely to make some amazing new discoveries about the universe, just as we did with Old Faithful, the Hubble telescope. That's it from me. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with even more weird and wacky answers to life's questions, but in the meantime, you can head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next week for another Huh? Science Explained. <laughs>